uh, today and probably finish it tonight. But I got to uh, speaking about the empty cup uh, and the cup of judgment on Wednesday night. If you were not here, I'm sure online you can uh, look at it. We gave some verses out and uh, on a little uh, third sheet of paper about how the cup of wrath is being filled. And yet what Jesus said before he went to Calvary was that he was willing to drink this cup. Don't let this cup pass from me. And so how privileged we are to be able to have an empty cup that we can bring to the presence of the Lord and let the Lord fill. Uh, I didn't uh, read these this two verses, but uh, these two verses sort of let you know that Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what he was going to suffer. In fact, he told his disciples in Luke, the 18th chapter, and then he took the 12 and said unto them, and he, let, and he spells it out, I'm going to Jerusalem so that all things that were written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. He shall be delivered to the Gentiles, shall be mocked, spitefully entreated, spit on, scourged, and put to death, and in three days shall rise again. If you keep reading that, they go, uh-huh, okay, great. And they didn't get it. And of course, he goes to Jerusalem, and he prays, and yet he says, my soul is troubled, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I to this hour. And so what I, I spoke on Wednesday night was that sense of an empty cup. And I know you may not be able to see it, but one is a cup overflowing uh, and, and another is empty. And I want you to understand, and I, I spoke it on it Wednesday night, and I'm not going to repeat myself, although probably should spend a lot of time on it, but the powerful fact that the Lord is able to take the wrath and the punishment and the stuff that we deserve in our cups that we can pour it out and let him fill us up with his spirit is a powerful understanding in this hour that we're living in. Because everybody, I'm sure, has at times had their little cup full. Some of you are already filled up with COVID having to stay in, or your sickness has filled your cup, or your situation has filled your cup, and you're just about fed up to the top of your cup. Think about it. <laughs> Not us, because the beautiful part is that we can bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to take my frustrations and my anxiety and my fear and I'm going to pour all of that out because I know I want your presence to fill my cup. Here's, here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsty soul of mine. But we don't, 
A lot of times we don't do that. We get just frustrated and we just add another little bit to our cup. And it's not the cup of wrath, where, but it's wrath for us on somebody else. And I'm not saying anything now, but you kind of made me mad. And I'm, I'm going to remember it and it's there. And I, I remember it and I'm, I'm just about, I'm just about, I'm, I'm, And yet what the beautiful part of what the Lord did on Calvary was put us to a place where we can get, bring all of that to him and say, Lord, I want you to take all the frustration. Why? Because you're the Prince of Peace. You're the King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords. Lord, you are able to do it. You're never going to leave me nor forsake me. I, you, you just have to understand that I am in this place where you don't understand. I'm, I'm frustrated. I get it, but to thank the Lord for our ability to have an empty cup. And then, of course, why what I said then Wednesday night was we ought to have communion today. So we're going to. I just, you know, it's like we're going to have communion because that, that's the cup, the blood of the Lord. When, when we take communion, I know it's his blood and it's his body and I, it's a type of that. But you know what? Whenever Paul wrote in Corinthians, basically what he was telling them was he was saying, take, eat, this is my body, this do in remembrance of me. And if you can, you ought to remember Remember what God has done for you on Calvary and you ought to be willing to say, you know what, I, I want all of God I can have. And, and if I'm full of all of my anxiety and my frustration and my anger and my wrath, and my, I, then I can't have but just a little bit of God. So I need to pour all that stuff out and say at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, here's my cup. Fill me up with your love. So what communion is going to do today is to remind us that, you know, the Lord had his body broken and his blood was shed so that we could empty our cup. But that's not all the cross did. And I, I, I would be remiss just to say it just is about the cup. Ezra, the ninth chapter in the sixth verse says... I am ashamed and blushed to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown into the heavens. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is what? Mine. Saith the Lord, I will repay. And so whenever I get to feeling mad and frustrated and like I want to get even, I got to remember that the Lord said, I got to bring it to him. Vengeance is mine. And Paul wrote in Thessalonians, the second Thessalonians, the first chapter, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. Did you hear that? <laughs> I know it may feel like, well, they're getting by with it and nobody's doing anything. It's a righteous thing for God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. 
And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and they that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. What are you saying? You don't have to worry. Don't think for one moment God doesn't know who you are, where you are, what you're going through. As a matter of fact, as Brother Rob alluded, to this morning he even knows how many hair you have on your head so you say well they're getting by with it and I know so and so and they they did me wrong and they're getting by with it no they're not getting by with anything you see what's going on in our society all of a sudden, you know, well, the, the football gods and the, and the economic gods and the huh all the gods are coming down, bowing to one little disease. And you say, well, how in the world? That's because I know in whom I believed. And not only does he empty my cup, and that's why I can get rid of the wrath and I can get rid of the anger and the frustration because I know, Lord, you know. You know what I'm going through. You know what's happened to me. You know where I am. You know what the dealer did to me. You know what the school teacher said. You know whatever. But I'm going to turn it over to you, Lord. I'm going to empty it out on you. I'm going to say, Lord, you saw where I was. You saw what the they did. You saw what they said. One day you're going to take care of it. Right now all I have to do is fill up on the joy of the Lord which is my strength. I can rejoice in the Lord again. Say so, well what else did he do on Calvary? Well it has to do with a goat. You remember? It started back in the Old Testament where they had two goats the first goat they brought in and they killed it for the sins of the people. The blood was shed. And then the priest would bring the second goat and he would lay his hands on the goat and then he would send it out into the wilderness. And everybody said, oh well, wish I could be the second goat anyway. At least you don't die. But the second goat was sent out into the wilderness to basically fend for itself. And all the sins were placed on the head of the second goat. It, it means two different words. And you've heard me preach about them and say them. And, and they're theological words. But propitiation and expiation. And, and, and it's not those words. You don't have to know those words and, and understand all of that. But what you have to understand. Uh, those two goats represented what Christ did on Calvary. One was that he became the propitiation. He became the sacrifice so that I... I did not have to die. We talked about the wrath of God and we talked about the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. And what Leviticus talked about was in the 16th chapter that this goat has would bear the iniquities of all and would be sent out into the wilderness and let go in the wilderness. Now why is that second part of it so amazing? Because not only were all of my sins forgiven and covered by the blood, but then he sent the sins out into the wilderness never to be remembered again. That's what's called 
the expiation. In other words, what David said as far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 38, but behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. What are you saying? I'm saying what God did on Calvary was not only forgive my sins, but remove my sins. What are you saying? I'm saying that if you're eating what somebody has done to you and you're mad over what somebody said 20 years ago or 50 years ago or what they said or did, let it go. That doesn't say you have to go eat lunch with them. But what I'm saying is just say, Lord, I want to get rid of the bitterness and I want you to just put it behind me. I'm going to pray for them. Ask God to either bless them and or deal with them. And I'm going to fill up on the love and mercy and grace and kindness of almighty God <laughs> why because I feel so good that the Lord blotted out my transgressions how could I not just say you know what I don't know they were crazy an alien inhabited their brain I don't know what they did two actions two goats Jeremiah says it like this, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Aren't you thankful that Jesus did both of those? And I know sometimes folks, you know, feel bad and they, they keep bringing up, well, I did that, I'm God, I'm sorry, I don't deserve. Don't let the devil lie to you. He completed a work on Calvary. He not only took your sins, but he threw them behind his back in the sea, never to be remembered. The New Testament, it says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquity will I remember no more. And I've seen folks come back and they ask the Lord to forgive them and they feel better. And then they feel bad tomorrow. And they say, Lord, forgive me tomorrow. And the Lord's going like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then, you know, unless it's something new, I don't, I don't remember what happened 20 years ago that you asked me to forgive. And so the enemy, though, brings it up. Why? Because I want you to know that, you know, you're not going to ever amount to anything and you're not going to ever. I, that, that is a lie. He said, I will, their sins and iniquities will I remember. Why? I put my law in their heart and their minds and their sins and iniquities again in the 10th chapter. Will I remember no more? Now, where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. Having therefore boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, that is through the... What are you saying? Whenever I feel, oh God, I sinned last week. Oh Lord, and I pray and the Lord forgives me and I feel better. And then when the devil tries to overwhelm me with it again tomorrow and I go back and I try to repent again, that's when I need to say, wait a minute, I've repented for that and I know what his blood did. His blood took it like that goat and ran out into the wilderness. He did that on Calvary. He got rid of my sins forever. Therefore, with boldness, I'm going to come and say, Lord, you're able to help me. The devil's trying to torment me. The devil's trying to attack my mind and heart in the name that's above every name. I rebuke you, spirit. Get away from me. 
Micah said it like this. He said, who is a God like unto thee that pardons iniquity? And it's hard for us to understand this because we can remember what people have done to us 50 years ago. 100 years ago if we could live that long. I remember what you said, what you did. But he passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. How much more shall the blood of Christ through his eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience? That's what the blood is for. To wash your thoughts. Oh, if you don't understand, midnight hour, no early morning, I'm just bombarded with every thought. Oh, but because of the blood, I can say that blood has purged every thought. Oh, he said, purge your conscience from this dead works. What are you saying? I, I, I know, and, I, and let me see if I can get one more, just, and, I'll, and I'll stop. We'll have communion. Ushers, are you about ready? They're going to pass it out. We have it all in one cup. But uh, the next thing that the blood did was it ransomed us. And, and I got to thinking, you know, the only th time I've ever heard the word ransom used is when it's been a kidnapper. You know, I read, you know, about, uh, you know, Charles Lindbergh's baby being kidnapped. I wasn't alive, but, you know, it was a famous kidnapping and all of that ransom. A kidnapper always demands a ransom. And Matthew, the 20th chapter and the 28th verse said, Even as the Son of Man came not to minister to, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. What are you saying? Well, for this reason, he is the mediator and negotiator. This is reading it in the Amplified. Of a new covenant. That is an entirely new agreement uniting God and man. So that those who have been called by God may receive the fulfillment of the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has taken place... As the payment. It's the ransom. Which redeems them from the sins committed under the obsolete first covenant. Now what does that mean? Redeems. What is, what is the ransom that is paid to a kidnapper? It's to buy you back. Adam's sin, first sin, sin passed on to everybody. But Jesus provided at Calvary the blood that ransomed us back. That redeemed us. Galatians says Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that I don't care how your folks raised you. I don't care what your background is. You can be redeemed today. 
because of the blood of the cross. You can say, well, I, I was raised in an angry house. I was raised with an alcoholic father, mother. I was raised with hate. I was raised with anger. But I've been redeemed by love divine. What are you saying? Glory, glory. I don't have to act like the rest of my family. I don't have to be what I, why? There's a new name written down in glory. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of woman, made under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherein in times past you used to walk according to the course of this world according to the prince and the power of the air the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience but you don't have to Amen. You used to. You might. You say, well, I've got bad habits. I developed these habits when I was 10 and now I'm 30. I've had them for 20 years. I'm here to tell you there's resurrection power that is able to set you free from what you've done for the last 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. I know a God that can break every chain, that can redeem you, that can buy you back goes on in Ephesians and he says that we had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and mind and were by nature children of wrath you say well I, I can't help it my flesh I, I've been doing this and my flesh craves fill in the blank guess what there's blood for that There's blood for that. You can become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Why? He told, Paul told Titus, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works we're going to stand what are you saying here we are today